You could be seated. Good afternoon, Woodside. How are you today? Good, good to see you. If you would, you could, if you want to, you could turn to Isaiah chapter 6. That is where we're going to be uh, today. We have been, uh, last week, sorry, we started in Isaiah chapter 6 as we started a new series, Send Me, uh, when God calls us to go. And looking at Isaiah 6, uh, Pastor Alex already read it at the beginning of the service. Uh, if you weren't here, just showing the totality of the scripture and how every week we're coming back to each week at the same place of compelling us to move forward into the kingdom, or excuse me, into the world on behalf of the kingdom of God and, and saying, Lord, here am I, send me. And my hope and prayer is the same as today, that you would respond in such a way again today, compelled by the forgiveness of God to go out into the world uh, that God has called us to, to be who he's called us to be. As I was preparing uh, today, I was reminded of a, a, a book and a story that I read when I was in college. When I was in Bible school, I read a book called Through Gates of Splendor. Anyone heard of that before? Jim Elliott, pretty profound book. If you haven't read it, I would, I would, I would say, man, it would be an amazing read for you. Jim Elliott, back in the 50s, he met his wife at Wheaton College, Elizabeth Elliott, and they were uh, they, they had begun to um, have a relationship together. Later on, they're both compelled to be missionaries to the Aka people, and um, and as they were compelled, they wanted to go there and, and reach them for the gospel. But the people were pretty dangerous, and actually, uh, individuals that were quite harsh to those who came in from the outside. And as they were married. Jim and some partners felt very strongly that God was calling them to go and share the gospel with these people, which was really hard soil. And so even against uh, the, the judgment of those around them, they felt so compelled they needed to go and share the gospel. And it's some canoe trips through the jungle, up a river, a little ways. And they went and met the people, hoping to be able to share the gospel of Jesus with them. But in turn, they were speared and murdered. They found their bodies floating in a river. It's quite a fascinating story. As Elizabeth Elliot tells that she felt in her spirit that the Lord was going to allow them to die. Like she had this feeling that something was going to happen. And, and, and what's amazing about the story is just shortly after Jim was murdered in the 50s, uh, she had their first child as she was pregnant. And in the process of all of that, she felt so compelled by the gospel, to go back into that same area to those same people and share the gospel with them. I don't know about you, but if, if someone murdered my wife, uh, the first thing on my list wouldn't be like, man, I want to go and share the gospel with these people that speared my spouse and left him in the river for dead uh, amongst, amongst other men. But she was so compelled by the gospel. She was so compelled by what she had experienced, the forgiveness that she had experienced in Christ. It moved her so much so that she not only forgave those who murdered her husband, but went in such a way at, at, at maybe her own detriment, where she could have been murdered as well, to go and share the gospel with these people. And the story is pretty profound. As she went, she brought her young daughter on her back and a carrier as she was still very young. And she even tells how she was overwhelmed that they could murder her and those that were going and take her child. But she was compelled to go. And I want to read you one of the things she says. It's so profound. She says, as long as this is what the Lord requires of me, 
then all else is irrelevant. And she went, and by the grace of God, she led those people to Christ. And God moved in powerful ways, and, and she shared Christ with the people that murdered her husband because she had experienced the forgiveness of Christ, and she wanted to show that and share that with the people not only that murdered her husband, but needed to experience and hear of that same good news. And I share that with you because today I want you to see that like Elizabeth Elliot, as we look at Isaiah chapter 6, the forgiveness of God, God's forgiveness compels us to go. That when I've experienced the forgiveness of God, there should be something that inside of me, when I fully experience one of the greatest things, or sorry, the greatest thing in all of human beings is to experience the forgiveness of God. That when I truly experience that, it should compel me to go into the world that I might show and share reconciliation and forgiveness to the world. Did you know that's the greatest need in all of human uh, uh, history, in all of what we experience is forgiveness, to be reconciled back to God? Did you know that's the greatest thing? Uh, uh, there's an anonymous writer, I don't know who wrote it, uh, um, he said this, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent a savior. That our greatest need and the greatest need of those that you see every single day in all the places that you do life, no matter it's here or out there or wherever, their greatest need is to be reconciled back to the God of the universe through the forgiveness of their sins. Your greatest need in this world and their greatest need is not to be happy. I meet with people all the time, they're like, don't you think God wants me to be happy? I'm just like, yeah, I think he's okay with you being happy, but you'll find me a verse where his end goal is that you would just be happy. No, there's joy in the Lord, but his goal is not ultimate end, is that you would be happy. His ultimate goal is that you would just find inner peace through the pleasures of the world. No, his end goal is that we would be joy, we would experience joy and we would experience forgiveness and we would forgive all, for, experience all of the amazing things that are found in Christ through the forgiveness of our sins. That you and I and the rest of the world would be in this beautiful reconciled relationship between us and God and out of that we get to experience eternal life and community and intimacy and love and joy and peace and purpose and all of this is experienced through the forgiveness of our sins through Christ and out of that God should, it should compel us when we truly experience that and allow it to sink down from here 12 inches to our heart. It should compel us to go and share and show the world that they can be forgiven as well. But I want to ask you a question before we dive into Isaiah 6. And I just want you to wrestle with this. I'll come back to it at the very end and ask you again. Uh, I just want you to wrestle with, has forgiveness reshaped your life? So if you say no, maybe you haven't experienced the forgiveness of your sins through Christ. And, and that's okay if you're here today. I want, you to, I want you to experience that. I want to show you how you can experience that. But those of you, the majority of you I know in the room, you profess that you're a follower of Jesus. You've experienced the forgiveness of your sins through Christ and you've been made clean in Christ. Has it, has it reshaped the way that you live and the life that you experience? 
wrestle with that. We're going to come back at the end. So as we jump into Isaiah chapter 6, just a recap, if you weren't here last week, Isaiah, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, he's entered into a vision and he sees the Lord for who he is, high and lifted up, ruling and reigning on the throne. And it's by no accident in all of this that he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I see the king high and lifted up on the throne, seated, not overwhelmed, not running frantically, but seated, ruling and reigning all that exists. And today we're going to look at the response of Isaiah. After he sees that, after he gets a picture of who God is, how does he respond to this vision of the glory of God? So in in verse 5, if you look with me, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, look at the response of Isaiah. It'll also be on the screen as well if you don't have your Bible with you. In verse 5 it says this, And I said, this is Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am a man, for I am lost, excuse me, For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. King Uzziah is dead, but the king, the Lord of hosts, alive, seated on his throne. And the way that he responds is much like most of the people or all the people that we see in Scripture that get a glimpse of the glory of God. He responds with great fear and recognition of their sin or their brokenness. I mean, they're just overwhelmed. So if you jump back to uh, Exodus chapter 3 in the first service and Moses chapter 3, just see a heads up, that's not a chapter in the Bible. Like Moses chapter, it's Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6. This is what it says. And he, this is God, said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. He was overwhelmed by the presence and the vision of God that he couldn't look at him. He was so overwhelmed by his presence. If you look in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17, when when John, uh, as he's exiled to Patmos, gets a vision of God, this is what it says in verse 7, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Like, man, who God is is so big and so overwhelming that I literally fell flat on my face as though I was dead because of who God is and how I got to see him. And so the same thing here is Isaiah is that in a moment, God's purity and an otherness revealed in a moment or exposed Isaiah's impurity. And God's holiness and his, his otherness in a moment exposed Isaiah's unholiness. And his power exposed Isaiah's weakness. And, and the same would be true with all of us when our hearts are stacked up against the glory of God next to perfection. The only result in us is, is hopelessness, honestly. Like I, I am in the presence of God himself and his hopelessness and an aware awareness of our depravity and need of our forgiveness before a holy God. And that's exactly the way that Isaiah responds here. I mean, he's full of despair. So much so, he says, woe is me. Woe is me. Now, it could also be translated, I am ruined. I am lost. I am silent. He says, my lips are unclean. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Now, why would he say that? Because he just got a foul mouth? Well, he's saying that in significance because the way that they would think about things is exactly the way Jesus taught as well. Jesus said what? Out of the heart, the what speaks? The mouth. 
And what he's getting at at the end of the day is my, my lips are unclean. He's saying from the, from the external to the inter, all of me is broken. All of me is a heart that is rotten from the inside out. And he knew it instantly in the presence of God. There's this conflict within him that he knew that God was holy and glorious and other. And he was broken. And there was nothing that he could do about it. What he needed to receive was the forgiveness of God. And that's what I want you to see today. The first thing is that we have to receive the forgiveness of God. This is what he needed, is the forgiveness of God. He, he sees the situation as being hopeless and doesn't even bother asking for cleansing or forgiveness. He doesn't say like, Lord, heal me. Uh, Lord, forgive me. He just says, woe is me. I'm so overwhelmed. But what's amazing, in a moment, he clearly understands that he's in desperate need of the grace of God. Look with me in verse 6 now as he continues. He says, then one of the seraphim flew to me. What a moment. Having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. In a moment... He, he received the unmerited grace of God in the forgiveness of his sins. Now, if you remember from last week, the seraphim is an angelic beings that they were present and they serve as messengers of God. And when you get to the meaning of seraphim, it means fiery one or burning ones, right? And so the, the, the fire is often a sign of the holiness of God. And the seraphim is just performing in a moment the purging rite that, that, that Isaiah needs, that he's speaking of, and, and it matches up against the sacrifices that people would have needed to be in, in the presence of God to enter the temple. And in a moment, he's showing that man, your sins are being forgiven, and you are being, your, your, your guilt is being covered and taken care of in a moment through this, through this act. And what I love is that this fiery seraphim didn't come down and like just consume Isaiah. Like, you're a man of unclean lips. See ya. He's gone. He didn't condemn him. He didn't overwhelm him. No, in a moment, instead of consuming him, he healed him by the grace of God. It's so true as to like the same thing we experience in our brokenness when we understand who we truly are before God in our sinfulness. God is not a God who comes down and says, you, you are unlovable. I'm just going to destroy you and start over. No, he's so good. He's so gracious. He's so filled with mercy. He sends a messenger to come and atone for our sin in his name is Jesus. And we experience the grace of God. Under God's command, this messenger cleansed Isaiah in his sinfulness. You notice the order. It's quite similar to what we experience. Isaiah saw God for who he was. Then in light of seeing God for who he was, he recognized his own hopelessness and need for forgiveness. Then God sends a, sin, a, a, a willing servant to come and forgive him. And his guilt is taken away and his sins were atoned for. You see, Isaiah here is, is a picture of, the coal here is a picture of God's altar and the need for, per, for a perfect sacrifice in a moment. And Jesus, as he looked forward, is that perfect sacrifice to each one of us as he came before everyone and everyone after him as he is the forgiveness of sins. Romans portrays us. Read it with me. Romans 3 and verse 24. This is what it says. Justified freely 
by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, God presented Christ as the sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So he's saying all the sins in the Old Testament were unpunished. And now, he, 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 in verse 26, he says, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. That our experience is that of Isaiah, and that in light of who God is, we recognize that we are falling short of the glory of God, like Romans says, and we are in desperate need of forgiveness of our sins. And this willing messenger named Jesus Christ leaves heaven, comes to earth, and atones for our sin. And we then can walk in newness of life. You know, you know, forgiveness is, is an interesting thing, isn't it? Forgiveness is, I think, it's one of the hardest things to give. But it's also, honestly, many times the hardest thing for people to receive as well. At the same time, it's, it's like our greatest need. Not only in relationship with God, but relationship with one another. I mean, forgiveness is a need. But it's many times hard to offer. And, and it's really many times hard to, uh, to, to, to receive. And I think it's one of the most profound things that is moving to the heart of individuals. Man, if you have ever experienced someone before coming to say, as you have harmed them profoundly and said, man, I just forgive you. What, what a releasing that is. It's profound and it's amazing. But I think many times people don't receive forgiveness for a number of reasons. And maybe that's you here today. I think one of the reasons that people don't receive forgiveness and really struggle to receive the forgiveness of God, and I know it's true because afterwards I had numerous conversations like, yes, yes, my, my family's like that, yes, is many times we don't receive the forgiveness of God. We can't receive the forgiveness of God because we say, man, God, I am unlovable. Man, the things that I have done uh, have to be worse. The things that are in my head are way worse than everyone else. And I am undeserving of the forgiveness of God. Trust me, you don't know. So much so that many times it starts with you not being able to forgive yourself of the things that you've done. Therefore, you can't receive the forgiveness of God for the things you've done. And at the end of the day, God is looking and saying, you know what? When I died on the cross, all of your sins were uncommitted. And I looked forward into the future, and I still died for every single one of those sins, even knowing oh, you would commit all of them. And I think many times people don't receive the forgiveness of their sins because they don't think they need it. Man, Jim, I'm a pretty good dude. I don't do a lot of heinous things like the things that I see. I've never killed anyone. I've never done all these different things. I'm a pretty good guy. And I honestly believe at the end of the day, when I stand before God, I'm going to be like, hey, God, look at this. Look at all these things I did. I gave to charitable organizations. You know, when we did summer serve, I did these things and I did that or whatever it is. And at the end of the day, I'm going to stack up pretty good against what I didn't do right. Can I tell you, there's no stacking up. When you are in the presence of holiness, otherness, it says we all fall short of the glory of God. Why? Because of just one sin. Just one sin. 
And so it doesn't matter who you are sitting here today, no matter where you come from, no matter what you did, you're still in need of the forgiveness of God. If it is but just one small act you've done in all of your life, you still fall short of the glory of God and our need of the forgiveness that Jesus offers on the cross. Every one of us. But it's hard to give and it's hard to receive. But today I want to call you, no matter who you are today, in this building, worshiping with us today, receive the forgiveness of God through faith. In that place, as the first place, you will finally find peace and rest with God. Because forgiveness will reshape your entire life. It brings us back to a place of rest with God and with others. I'm going to come back to this in a moment. With others as well. It's this beautiful place that brings a blessing from God. Psalm 32.1 is just an amazing passage. I want you to hear this. It said, blessed is the one. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. And in whose spirit is no deceit. So good. I acknowledged my sin to you. And did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to you. To the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my son. And that's what all of us in this room. Who call Christ Lord and Savior have experienced. This blessing of being at peace with God. And resting with God. That we've experienced because we've received the forgiveness of sin. I thought it would be interesting or good for us to take a pause in the message today. At this time, I want to invite Taryn to come out. She's going to sing a song that's called Clean. Today is the, the first Sunday of the month where we celebrate communion together, and hopefully you grab something as you walked in, one of the communion elements. And I just want us to take a moment and rest in this place for a moment as we talk about receiving the forgiveness of Christ. And I, and I just want Taryn to sing, and I want us to pause for a moment and just reflect and and dwell on what we've received in Christ. That we've been made clean by the forgiveness of Jesus in Christ. And then out of that, I, I want it to fall afresh on us today. And that's what I'm going to pray for. Is that when I see, in light of all that I've done, what Christ has done on my behalf and what he's done for me, Man, I, my prayer is that it will compel us to movement. It will, it will compel us to, to move forward. One of my favorite Sundays every, every month is, is, is the Sunday we do communion where I can be thrust into the, the room with God and seen before me what Christ has done on my behalf and may it stir in me my affections further for Him. And so I don't want you to take your communion elements. I just want you to sit. I want you to let this song speak to you in a moment. Ask the Spirit of God in this moment as He asks us to, man, God, is there any wicked way in me because, man, how, how dare I, as I've received the forgiveness of God, just continue on and allow things to reign in me, rule in me. Like in the closet, in the back corner of my life, in the basement, I know there's this one thing, and no one in this room knows about it, but God knows about it. How dare I, after I've received the forgiveness of God, through Christ, still live, letting that reign in my body. And say, maybe you just take a couple moments and confess those things before the Lord. But I want us to take a moment, I want, I want the the forgiveness of God and what we've experienced in Christ to move just a 12 inches from my head and just let it touch my heart for a moment today as we reflect on what Christ has done in communion and remember as he commanded us to 
And then when she's done, I'm going to come back up. And I want us to take the communion together as we remember here in the middle of our message, the middle of our teaching, that we've been forgiven and made clean in Christ through the blood of Christ and the broken body of Christ today. So let's pray together and then I'll just take a moment. God, thank you. Thanks for today and just a new and fresh day. I am made apparent and aware today of how broken I am. And yet I have experienced the unbelievable forgiveness and cleansing of God. May today all those in this room fresh today the forgiveness they have received in you Jesus fall fresh on us in this moment Lord and speak to us through the power of song and your word and may we remember today as you commanded us your body was broken for us your blood was shed for us no matter where we are who we are what we've done all of that is made new and clean cross of Jesus. So today, God, we, we remember publicly what you've done. Stir our affections, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Just take a moment and reflect, and I'll come back up and we'll eat the elements together. I see shadows. You see
washed in the blood of your sacrifice your blood flowed red it made me my dirty rags are purified. I am clean, oh yes. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flow red and made me white. My dirty rags are purified. I'm clean, I'm clean, oh, oh. Washed in the before Jesus was betrayed. He took a loaf of bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. And through the broken body of Jesus, you and I who have our faith and trust in Christ and what he did for us on the cross have been made clean through the forgiveness of our sins. He said to eat it in remembrance of him. Let's eat it together. Likewise, he held up a cup of wine and he said, this is a representation of my blood, the new covenant that is in him. A representation of his blood that would be shed on the cross for us. Making us clean. Today, collectively in this moment, may we remember it as he commanded us and drink it together in remembrance of him. Thank you, Taryn. What an amazing thing it is we've experienced. And the shed blood of Jesus and his body which was broken for us that we might experience the forgiveness of our sins and be made clean. Today, if you have never received the forgiveness of your sins today, I can't compel you enough to place your faith and trust in Jesus. Cry out to him now in this moment. Come see someone in the prayer room afterwards that we might be able to show you what it looks like to place your faith and trust in Jesus and be made clean through the forgiveness of your sins. When you look at it, what was Isaiah's response to his own forgiveness? He has another response. And his response was to share, to go. Look what it says in verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah, then I said, here am I, 
send me. Well, what I want you to see again today is that forgiveness compels us to go. And that we, after we receive the forgiveness of God, we are to share the forgiveness of God actually with the world. That what, what Isaiah experienced in a moment was the forgiveness of his sins and it compelled him into mission. He knew that he wasn't worthy standing before God. He knew that he just but needed the grace of God. And now, through the grace of God, God is calling him to be worthy. You see, he was said in the beginning, I'm a man of unclean lips. And in a moment, God made him worthy to go and share on his behalf. And the same is true with us. We are, we are made worthy, not worthy because of who we are, but because of Christ in a moment to be sent out on his behalf. When we look at it, at the end of the day, if you've been forgiven by God through faith in Christ, then you are right now prepared for mission. Did you know that? You're right now prepared. You're right now, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been called into mission into the world. Right now, you've been given a God-given purpose. At the end of the day, so many people are like, man, I, I don't know what to tell people. I don't know what it looks like. At the end of the day, you have a story to tell in the sense that you have experienced the grace of God through the forgiveness of your sins, and now you are clean. So you can go to a world that, that is radically seeking what their purpose in life is or, or what does it look like one day when I'm going to have to stand before God. And you say, man, I have a story to tell. You've been given a mission every single day now to go out into the world around you. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. It'll be on the screen. I just want us to read this for a moment and see what God is compelling us as followers of Jesus to do. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, hello, anyone here today, if you're in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen. Isn't that amazing? So we just celebrated that through the blood of Christ, we are now a new creation in Christ. Jesus, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us what? What did he give us? Ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. Today, as you leave this place, I want you to know that you have a ministry. We have a ministry, and it's the ministry of reconciliation. He says, that is... In Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's, that's good news. That's amazing. And entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation or the message of reconciliation. I just want you to know today that God has entrusted you with something. What are you doing with it? God has entrusted you and me with the ministry of reconciliation, the way in which people are hearing and knowing and experiencing that they are free in Christ, they can be clean in Christ, all their past, present, and future sin can be wiped out in a moment through Christ is entrusted to you. It's entrusted to me. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And let this sink in. God making his appeal us. God is making his appeal to the people you know in life through you. You're an ambassador. You know what an ambassador is? It's amazing, right? An ambassador is someone who goes on behalf of a certain country to another country to speak on behalf of them. 
to represent them, to, to, to execute in their power. And oftentimes they're at an embassy in a foreign land. Hello, does it sound familiar? Like that you and I are, 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 are those who have the ministry of reconciliation and we are ambassadors for another kingdom. This is not your kingdom here. And every place that God has ordained for you to be, you didn't find your job because you looked on the internet and it just happened to be that you were so talented and gifted and good that, God, that you got to be there. No, before you ever, ever breathed your first breath, God planned for you to be in that place and in that neighborhood and in this soccer community with your kids to be an ambassador for Jesus. And you, all of us in this room, hundreds of us are Little embassies all over this area for the kingdom of God to represent Jesus, to act in power on behalf of Jesus, to tell people about Jesus, because we are his ambassadors. He's placed us there for a purpose. So that we might, in a moment, show and share the, the, the love of God and the cleansing power of Christ. But when I experience, man, the, the overwhelming goodness of the forgiveness of God, it compels me to go. It should compel me to go. But you have to start it. It, it starts somewhere. It starts, and I just want to stop here for a moment for a purpose. It starts as a servant of God extending that same forgiveness to people around us that have offended, hurt, or broken us. You know that? It's really hard sometimes to soften Jesus' words in the New Testament. Because most people think that he just is this guy who puts his arm around people, which is he is. But he's also a truth teller. And, and in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I don't think this is, again, the, the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a wisdom literature. Jesus has a wisdom teacher. You know, he doesn't literally mean don't let your right hand know what your left hand is giving and being generous. He's teaching wisdom here. And he's saying, man, at the end of the day, what you've experienced in Christ should so radically change who you are that you should naturally extend forgiveness to other people if you've truly experienced the forgiveness of God. The God in, in what he's called us to, it should shape the way that we live by forgiveness to other people. Look at me here today. I'm just telling you, in Christ and what you've experienced in Christ, you can forgive your mom and dad for what happened when you were a kid. Or the lack of their presence in your life. Through Christ, you can, you can forgive your friend who's greatly offended you. You, you can forgive your sibling Man, I'm just telling you right now, the people sitting next to each other, spouses in this room, you can forgive one another. You, you can extend that forgiveness because you've experienced it in Christ. Ex-spouses, you can extend forgiveness because of what you've experienced in Christ. He's given you the power to do so, and it might be starting with a conversation it might be starting with some counseling to process what that looks like. It might say, hey, Jim, I need to sit down with you. Pastor Alex, I need to sit down with you to what that looks like because I need to extend forgiveness. Maybe today, before you leave the doors today, there's people in this room that you need to leave your gift at the altar, as Scripture says, and go to the person that's offended you and make it right and let them be released of the debt that they owe you in forgiveness. The point for me is this. How am I? How am I 
to be a minister of reconciliation going to a world and saying, man, God forgives you, but I don't. Matthew 18 is this fascinating, amazing passage. And just the few minutes I have left, I want to read it for you. In Matthew 18, there's this awesome story. I love the Apostle Peter, anybody else, often puts his foot in his mouth, and I am that same person. And, and, and Peter's trying to get to something here, you know. He, he's saying, he asked the Lord, just in verse 21 of chapter 18, write it down, you can read it later. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will, your, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. So, so Peter's used to law, and he wants to know what the law is. Like, if I can just follow the law, then I can rest easy at night and say I checked all the boxes. But Jesus is pushing, as he always does in the kingdom of God, even further that, than that. He's saying, man, like, what's the law? How many times? Like, what is your interpretation of the law and how I have to forgive? And I love Jesus' answer. He said, I do not say seven times, but 70 times seven. And so you do the quick math, and you're like, okay, when they get to this point, I don't have to forgive them anymore. And that's not what Jesus is saying. In a moment, he tells them a parable to help them understand what it looks like. And this parable gets to the point. In verse 23, he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, don't get hung up on the amount. It's an exorbitant amount of money he would have never been able to pull off or pay off in his entire life. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had to be payment or for payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees and imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master uh, of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. It's a very small amount in comparison. It can't even be compared to what he owed. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his servant, same way, fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and went and reported to the master all that had taken place. And then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's an overwhelming passage. And what it's pointing to, Jesus is pointing to, is that in the grand scheme of things, God is so good, he's so gracious, he's so mercy, that he forgave me all my past and present and future sin, such a debt that I could never pay it off. And even now, as I know that I'm a broken individual, and I daily offend the Lord. He still forgives me 70 times 7. And how can I look at a relative, a past friend, an abuser, someone who's harmed me, a co-worker, and not say, I forgive you. It's going to be a process. It's not easy. But I forgive you, and I'm, I'm moving in that direction. You see, what he shows here is that, debt, that, that, that unforgiveness is like debt. You're holding it against them. 
And forgiveness is a releasing of that debt. And I'm just telling you, there's people in this room right now that need to leave this place and release a debt against someone else. It might start from this. You need to make a phone call. Start with a text message, a letter. Hey, we need to get coffee this week. You need a mediator. Hey, I need you to meet with me and pastor. But how can we as the people of God go to a world that is greatly and desperately in need of forgiveness all the while hold unforgiveness against those around us? Jesus says, it's an impossibility that the forgiveness of Christ and what he's done on our behalf needs to fall fresh on our heart. And when it does, it will compel us to go to a world giving forgiveness to others and sharing and showing the forgiveness that we have received in Christ. So I'll just ask you again, as I asked you at the beginning, has forgiveness reshaped your life? For you today as a follower of Jesus, has it shaped the way you live in extending forgiveness to others and telling the world around you because you're a messenger of reconciliation that only comes to the forgiveness of their sins? Has it reshaped the way you function and live? And maybe you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust. Has it reshaped the way you live? Because once you experience that, it will change you from the inside out. And your goal today might be, man, I don't even know what it looks like, but today, in a moment, I just need to confess before the Lord and give him my life. I don't even know what it looks like, but I need to have a conversation afterwards. So Jim, can we chat? Can we talk? Because the forgiveness of God compels us to go. My question is, will our response be that of Isaac's, hear my Lord, send me to my relative, to my neighbor, to my spouse, to my brother or my sister, to my coworkers, to my friend in this church, hear my Lord, send me. I'll be that messenger today. Let's pray together. God, I just, I thank you for Isaiah 6. I thank you for the opportunity we have to be able to read it together and experience what Isaiah experienced. And God, I just pray that it, it would as I've been praying, fall fresh on us. And God, there might just need to be movement today, one small step today in stepping out in, in, in change. And God, I just, I, I feel so compelled today by the Spirit of God in, in this moment, in, these, in this message that there has to be some releasing of debt to one another before I can go and declare and tell how Christ has released me of all of my debt. And so God, I just, I pray for that supernaturally in this room because it is not an easy thing to look someone who's abused me and say, I forgive you. To look at a, a parent that was never there for me and say, I forgive you. To look at a, a, a previous follower of Jesus' friend that betrayed me and say, I forgive you. To look at a spouse and say, I forgive you. Whatever it may be, God, would you, would you move supernaturally in our hearts that we would move and be compelled to reconcile and enact forgiveness? And then, God, number two, I'm asking for you as we're about to sing that we would 
leave this place with a heart that says, God, I'm available. I want to I wanna go where you want me to go. I'll do what you call me to do. And there's a world that needs to experience reconciliation and forgiveness. And I want to be a part of that, God. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm asking you, Spirit of God, to show me, to, to make way for me as I step out. So I ask you to do it, God. And, and would you speak to us now, even as we sing? Thank you for who you are and what you've done. We remember that today. In Jesus' powerful name. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to sing a song maybe you haven't heard before. It's called Available. My heart would be is that as we sing, don't rush out, take a moment. And may this be the prayer of your heart as they sing and you can engage that, God, I want to be available for what you're calling me into, where you're calling me to go. And I want to tell you, man, if God is processing and moving in your heart this morning, this afternoon, don't leave so quickly. We have a prayer room over here, and I'd ask some of our prayer team that's here to be available there. If you need to process some of this, you need to talk with someone, just pray with someone. They're going to be just out this door. There's a prayer room over here. Meet them in there. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Would you stand? Let's sing together.